You're about to hear a life-transforming word brought to you by Trinity Baptist Church, London, an oasis for breakthrough. The focus of Trinity Baptist Church is to see people develop a Christ-like character that impacts our world. Now, prepare your hearts to receive God's word through his anointed servant. In your Bibles to the letter to the Hebrews. The letter to the Hebrews, chapter 1. The writer writes and says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed her of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who, being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty, having become so much better than the angels, as he, by an inheritance, obtained a more excellent name than the Father, we honor you, that only Jesus is the most excellent. Ancient of days, This morning we come again boldly before your throne of grace, not by the works of our righteousness, but because of thy great mercy. Speak to us afresh. Grant me grace that in simplicity and in clarity I will share your word this morning. In Jesus' name, God's people will say, Two months ago I began a series Uh, Our theme this year is on the supremacy of Jesus. And two months ago, I began a teaching on the supremacy of the word. And uh, I seek to end that message today. But before I do that, let me recap on some of the things I shared. Then we will look at the last aspect of the supremacy of the word. The truth about the word is that it is impossible to exhaust what the word of God can do. The supremacy of the word. Supremacy is the state of having ultimate authority. It is the state of being superior to all others in authority, in power, and status. It also means better than. It also means to be above all others. When we say that someone is supreme, it means that his authority cannot be questioned. In local West African broken English, the right way to say that is you are not my co-equal. <laughs> that is the, the, the uh, West African pidgin English. Are you my co-equal? It means there is no co-equal to Jesus. And the Bible says that from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, the name of the Lord 
shall be praised. Jesus is the only one who predicted his death and resurrection. He said, I lay down my life and I pick it up again. For this is the instruction I have received of my father. We learned that the letter, the epistle to the Hebrews was written to Jewish believers who wanted to revert uh, back into Judaism because of the intense persecution they were enduring at the time. So the writer writes not only to encourage them, but also to admonish them to hold on to their faith and to move on unto perfection. And his appeal is based on the fact that Jesus is superior, that Jesus is better than the Jewish system that they are being uh, forced and being persecuted to revert into. And uh, throughout his writing uh, in the book of uh, the letter to the Hebrews, the key word he uses is better, better than, better than. So he tells them that, look, there's no need for you to go back into Judaism because Jesus is better than the angels. They worship him. Jesus is better than Moses. He created him. Jesus is better than the Aaronic, the, the uh, Aaron priesthood because Jesus himself mediates a better covenant, a covenant that is established on better promises. And he begins this epistle by saying that God, who spoke in diverse ways to the fathers, has now finally spoken. And the assertion of that sentence is that God in his wisdom has spoken. And I, I said in the past that as humans, it is impossible. Amen. I think our friends are just coming. We just give them a minute to settle. Amen. Their flight delayed, hence they are coming late. Let's put our hands together for our friends from. Thank you. Welcome, Colin. Thank you. So, the writer to the Hebrews begins by saying that God who spoke in diverse ways to the fathers has finally spoken and the assertion is that God has spoken. Amen. And in the course of the service, uh, Colin will come up here and introduce our friends who are worshiping with us this morning. God has spoken. You see, as humans, it is impossible to know each other's thoughts till we speak. The truth is that you can be, somebody can be sitting next to you with evil intentions about you, but there's no way you will know till that person speaks. Our security agents in our nation here are under severe pressure to do all that they can, not only to read the minds of the terrorists, but also to ensure that we are safe. But can you imagine if these people just opened their mouth somewhere and began to speak? 
It is impossible to know the thoughts of anyone till that person speaks. And the truth is that God in his wisdom has spoken. Our world will be more secure if we know the thoughts of the people around us. And if we as humans are unable to read the minds of one another, how much more God himself. And the writer to the Hebrews says that God, who in the past spoke in diverse ways to the fathers, has in these last days spoken to us by his son. The good news is that God has spoken. And if God has spoken, what you and I have to know is what God has said. Hallelujah. And the good news is that the Bible tells us that the word of God, which was with God in the beginning, became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And we beheld the glory of the Son. We beheld the glory of God as of the only begotten Son, full of grace and truth. All that God wants to say to us, all the totality of God's covenants and promises to us has been revealed through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. No wonder Jesus comes and says, Thou hast heard, but I say unto you, because he is the totality of the word of God. Jesus says, Thou hast heard that thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. May the Lord have mercy on us. We also discovered two months ago that the word of God creates. And here the verse 2, the Bible says, has in, this late, has in these last days spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed her of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. The Bible tells us that the world was created through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. There is nothing created that was not done through him. The Bible tells us that God who gives life to the dead and calls those things who do not exist as though they are, has created the world through Jesus. In other words, God calls things that are not as though they are. God addresses his command to nothingness and nothing obeys the command of God. Even nothing brings out its own obedience to obey the voice of God. That is why nothing is impossible for you as a child of God. God calls things that are not as though they are. Let there be and it comes to pass. What is it that brings pressure over your life? Your God is still in control. Hallelujah. The God who creates order will speak order into our lives in the mighty name of Jesus. And creation speaks not only about the handiwork of God, but creation tells us that the design we see in the world did not just come by accident. If there is a design, then there must be a designer. Einstein said that when he went to the library as a young boy growing up, when he was asked as to whether he believed in God, he says, before he answered that question, he said, when I was a young boy growing up, one of the things that fascinated me was going into a library and looking at how orderly the books had been arranged. 
historic books at one side, literature at one side, uh, uh, ancient history at one side, science at one side, fiction at one side. And he says, I looked at those books and I knew that they did not arrange themselves. And also, those books did not just appear. Somebody wrote them. And if somebody wrote those, those books and somebody arranged them, then there must be somebody who made those people. Hallelujah. And each one of us marvel at our mobile phones. We marvel at the technology of satellite. How we can be here in uh, England and watch a Samoan miss a penalty. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But, but the, 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 the marvel and the beauty of it is that people ask the question, how can we Christians, our assertion is that Jesus is coming back. And when Jesus comes back, where will he appear? Because now it's about 10 a.m. here. Australia probably is deeply asleep. America is getting ready to get up. Hallelujah. So if Jesus appears, how can every eye see him? And anytime I'm asked that sarcastic question, it gives me joy. Because what comes immediately to my mind is my friend Asamoajan. And the last minute of the quarterfinal of the World Cup, Ghana awarded a penalty against Uruguay. Picks up the ball, kicks the ball, and up to today, nobody knows where that ball went. Misses that penalty. And the whole world went, oh. The whole world were disappointed. And every eye, those in Australia, in Asia, in America, all across the world, we're watching a Samoan take that penalty. How was it possible? And you would tell me because of satellite. And if man is able to create or invent a satellite that can cause the whole world to watch an incident at the same time, then understand that there is someone who made the man who made the satellite. He is the one who is able to cause the sun and the moon to stand still. And if this God says that when Jesus comes back, every eye will see him, we better believe in the name of Jesus. So the word of God creates, and not only does the word create, the word also sustains. The third verse, the Bible tells us, Hebrews 1, 3, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. When he had by himself purged our sins. So not only did God create, he also sustains, he upholds all things by the power of his word. And you and I will agree that our very existence is simply because the Lord himself upholds us. Job writes and says, Job 26, 7, he stretches out the north over empty space. He hangs the earth on nothing. The truth about the earth is that regardless of how deep you dig, you will find one thing and that will be water. So the Bible is telling us that this earth that rotates on it as it sits on nothing. But there is a hand that sustains it. 
If you look at man has landed on the moon several times. What holds the moon up then? Where are the pillars that hold the planets above us? It is the word of God that sustains us. That is why you this morning can trust the word of God. Because he watches over his word not only to perform it, but also to cause it to come to pass. And if God says that promotion comes from him, we better believe him in the mighty name of Jesus. He creates and he sustains. He told Ezekiel to tell the children of Israel in Ezekiel 16, the fourth to the sixth verse. That when you were born and your umbilical cord was not cut, as I passed by and you were struggling in your blood, I passed by and I said, live. What God says to us is that the very day that we were born, when the forces of darkness opened their mouth to destroy us, the Lord says he passed by and he said, live. That is why you can trust him to sustain you. That, you see, ever since God hung the moon and the sun, the two has never clashed. That is why your life will never have an accident. Oh, you are not here this morning. I said your life will never have an accident in the name of Jesus. Because every second of our existence is owing to the word of God. But this word, thirdly, is eternal. The Bible tells us that all flesh is as grass. And all the glory of man as a flower of the grass. The grass withers and its flower falls off. But the word of the Lord endures forever. Only Jesus has power to go back into the corridors of your past. And not only to heal and to forgive you, but still to love you. That is why this morning your trust must be in the living God. Hallelujah. The word is eternal, but fortunately, we also discovered two months ago that the word is truth. Jesus prayed a prayer when he was about to give his life as a ransom and said, Father, sanctify them by your truth, for your word is truth. The only truth about word is the word of God. You can totally depend on the word of God. And you see, God is bound by his word. God will never break his covenant. And he has exalted his word above all his names. That is why you and I eternally can put our faith in the living word of God. Don't put your trust in man. Man can only promise that much and will not be able to deliver. Don't put your, prof don't put your trust in false prophets. They have no power. Your trust must be in the word of God. Ancient words ever true. Changing me and changing you. We have come with open hearts. Let the ancient words impart. We also discovered that the word is the sword with which to fight the enemy. What I'm doing this morning is to recap the teaching we had two months ago before uh, I went to Ghana and spent some time in the garden city of West Africa. There's only one garden city, but we've bent and cut down all our trees. But we still call it a garden city. We discovered that the word is the sword with which to fight the enemy. 
And Jesus cast out demons by his word. Matthew 8, 16 tells us, When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. Jesus performed miracles with his word. And today, all miracles are based on the word of God. That is why you should not allow any false prophet to tell you that bring this and that to him or her. Your faith must be in the word of the living God. Because there is power in the word of God. There is authority in the name of Jesus. So the word of God is our weapon to fight against the enemy. And Ephesians 6, 10 through to 18 paints a very beautiful picture of a Christian in combat. And in that picture, what the Apostle Paul does is to compare the soldier, the Christian soldier, to a Roman soldier and how they dress. And what he says, he paints a picture and says that as a child of God, you must get your loyalty with truth. And you see, what the belt does is to hold all the hanging tunic together. And as a child of God, the belt of the spirit is that which pulls all the spiritual loose ends together. That is, your sincere commitment to the truth, for you will know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Then Paul also spoke about the breastplate of righteousness. It is a breastplate of righteousness that protects the heart and all the vital organs that are in us as a people of God and as soldiers of God. In other words, as a Roman soldier goes to war, he wears a breastplate. And the essence of this breastplate is to protect his internal organs. And Paul uses that breastplate and compares and says that that breastplate represents your righteousness. So, in other words, your faithful obedience produces its own holiness, which protects you from the enemy. So, you as a child of God must have a right standing with God as you put on the breastplate of righteousness. Then he also talks about the fact that our feet must be shod with the gospel of peace. You see, the Roman soldier wore boots with nails beneath them that gripped the ground for that soldier to stand up firm. So for us as a people of God, the gospel of peace helps the believer not only to stand firm, but also to assure you of the fact that you have peace with God. And because you have peace with God, regardless of what the enemy will do, there is no weapon that the enemy will fashion against you that will prosper in the mighty, in the mighty name of Jesus. Then he talks about the shield of faith. The shield that the Roman soldier holds is a weapon with which he uses to protect himself against the sword and the arrows and the dust that the opponents would shoot against him. So as a child of God, what you do is that you hold that shield of faith. And if the devil tells you that you will die before your time, you confess the word of God and say, I will live and not die. But proclaim, but proclaim the word of the Lord in the name of Jesus. 
When the devil comes against you and, and is trying to intimate, intimidate you, you stand firm and confess who you are in the name of Jesus. Then the helmet of salvation protects the head of the soldier from arrows and other weapons the enemy might target to the head. And you and I must understand that as Christians, the target of the enemy is our mind. With false philosophies, with, with lies, and, and with all forms of intimidation. So as a child of God, you wear that helmet of salvation. The fact that you are saved and you are assured of your salvation in the Lord, you are protected. Then he talks about one weapon and you find that weapon in the right arm. He says, the sword of the spirit. The sword of the spirit is the only weapon that the Roman soldier had. And as you look at this soldier dressed up, you will see that, you find out that there's no, nothing that protects the back of the soldier. If you look at the helmet, if you look at the breastplate, if you look at the shield, if you look at, uh, 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 at the belt of truth, if you look at the... Everything protects the front of the soldier. So, in other words, what Paul is saying to us that as a child of God, you never turn back. You never turn your back to the enemy. Because the Lord himself not only protects you, but you as a child of God, you must make a quality decision that you will not abandon your faith in the mighty name of Jesus. So with the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, you are able to expand your territory and also to take back lost ground. This morning, I pray in the name of Jesus that may anything that belongs to you that the enemy has taken from you come back in the mighty name of Jesus. As you stand your ground and put on the whole armor of God, may you wage warfare according to the spirit and take back everything that belongs to you in the name of Jesus. The word of God is like a bulletproof. And as you wield that weapon and say that it is written, you are able to look at the enemy eyeball to eyeball and tell the enemy that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You tell the enemy whatever is born of God overcomes. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. As a child of God, you stand firm to that which you have believed. And as the devil comes against you in the three areas where he wages war, with us, that is, in the area of the flesh, you crucify your flesh. Uh, when he tries to entice you with, with, with the things of the world, you must know that as a child of God, the command is that do not love the world and the things that are in them. For the pleasure of this world and the things that are in them are passing away. And as a child of God, your faith is in the living God. In an age where we are being deceived so much by the prosperity gospel, where only the ministers prosper, they buy jets and they come and stand in the pulpit and boast with the number of jets that they have bought. And not only are they deceiving multitudes, but you as a child of God must understand that as much as God prospers, prosperity is not measured by money. Prosperity is good health. Prosperity is a safe home. 
A nation prospers when there is peace in that country. A nation prospers when the right people are in authority. That is prosperity. It's not necessarily money. So when the enemy comes against us, we put on the whole armor of God and we contend for the faith as a people of God and we also take every thought captive. But today, let me quickly also say that the word of God is alive. Tell your neighbor, the word of God is alive. You see, the reason why when you become a Christian, you face persecution is straightforward. It's simply because because Jesus is alive and his word is alive and his word lives in you, you become an immediate target for the enemy. No other faith is under scrutiny and, and, and criticism and, and challenge than Christianity. Why? Because our Savior is alive. Nobody will, no, nobody will persecute a dead person. The only reason why Christians all over across the world are being persecuted is simply because our Lord and Master lives eternally. Hallelujah. So the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 4.12 tells us that for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The United States Congress prides itself of having the largest library in the world with more than 130 million items. Their collection includes 28 million books and other printed materials, 2.7 million recordings, 12 million photographs, 4.8 million maps, 58 million manuscripts. Yet, among all these volumes, the only ones that can lay claim to being alive and powerful are copies of the Bible. Hallelujah. And because the word of God continues in every generation with compelling relevance. The reason why the word of God is alive is that generations will come and go, but every generation will find the word of God relevant because the word of God is alive. It's a living word. That is why you can put your faith in the living word of God. The divine revelation is timeless and relevant to every generation, even though written in different historical contexts because it is alive. It is so alive and supernatural that God speaks to each of us personally and distinctively. Look at the number of times you have come to church and after the sermon, you say to yourself, ah, this sermon was for me. Today, the Lord has spoken to me. And, and the words of mature uh, uh, Christians, ah, the Lord has spoken to me today. Why? Because the word of God is alive and you serve a living God who knows that which you as a child of God are enduring, what he does is that as a preacher, and when we are preparing the sermons, little do we know what a child of God is going through. But what God does is that as you prepare, he speaks to you. Praise the Lord. Because God is preparing a message for his child in the church. So you come and you speak and it is spot on. The Bible says it is sharper than a two-edged sword. 
May the Lord continuously speak to you through his word in the mighty name of Jesus. One of the things I don't want to do is for people to call me Sunday mornings. So normally I don't pick my phone calls Sunday mornings, especially when I'm coming to preach. And experience has taught me, and I was taught this at Spurgeon's College, that one of the things you don't do is to listen to people's problems before the sermon. Because if you are not careful, you go and you preach, they will tell you, I told you my problems. You came, stood on the pulpit, and has preached me. But if the message you have prepared pertains to that person, and you come, and the person knows very well, he or she has not spoken to you, and you preach, what will the person say? The Lord has spoken to me. So it's always wise to talk to people after the preaching. So if I don't pick your course Sunday mornings, that is the secret. Hallelujah. This word of God that is alive is also profitable. Profitable for doctrine because it leads us into divine truth. Profitable for reproof because it rebukes us for wrong behavior or wrong belief. It exposes sin. Profitable because it brings correction, restoring us to the original state. And it is also profitable for instruction in righteousness. Timothy tells us, 2 Timothy 3.16, because it gives us back positive thinking to walk with our God. Charles Swindle, one of my favorite writers, wrote and said that new articles may inform us, novels may inspire us, poetry may enrapture us, but only the living word of God can transform us us. But let me just as I bring the message to a close this morning. As a child of God, I want you to know, tell your neighbor the word is alive. For the second time. Tell your neighbor you can trust God and his word. The second time. And the last time. That is why if you are depressed, your word is Psalm 42, 11. The Bible says, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. If sick, Isaiah gives us the antidote. Isaiah 53, 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was laid upon him and by his stripes. We are healed. Are you, you see, and, and one of the areas the devil will always do to the people of God is to ensure that you feel guilty about yourself. Understand that guilt is a spirit. And God has not given us the spirit of guilt. But when the devil tries to make you feel guilty and there is nothing strong, when you yourself know what you did was wrong, Forgive yourself and move on. Don't let people impose guilt on you. And John 8, 36, the Bible says, Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. So once you've confessed your sins, move on. Because if the Son sets you free after your confession of sins, the Lord will forgive you. 
Is there wisdom that you need? James tells us, James 1.5, if anyone of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to us liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Is it advice that you need? Proverbs 21.23 tells us, whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from troubles. And, and, and one of the secrets of life is that not until you open your mouth, people do not know what you are thinking about. And as a child of God, you must know where to open your mouth and when to be quiet. And this is wisdom. Hallelujah. Self-image. Psalm 139, 14, the Bible says, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And, and sisters, listen. Don't give your heart to a young man who does not care. Are you hearing me? Ensure that your heart is in the hands of the living God. When the devil tries to make you feel inferior about yourself, you must stand in front of your mirror and speak to yourself. Ah, Kingsley, I'm cute, man. Look at my height. The tallest in the world. Look at my suit, how it fits me. You speak to yourself and say to yourself, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. When people are bashing you, you must know who you are. You are fearfully and what? Wonderfully made. Are, are you feeling too anxious because all mouths are against you and you don't know what to do? Philippians 4, 6, the Bible tells us, be anxious for nothing, but in everything. By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, shall guard your heart and minds through Christ Jesus. Is it fear? Are you afraid? One of the things that the enemy will never stop doing is to frighten us. And someone defined fear, the word F-E-A-R, as fear evidence appearing real. F sorry, false evidence appearing real. The truth about fear is that there's nothing there. And, and, and Paul writes to Timothy, Second uh, Timothy 1.7, and tells him that, listen, son, God has not given you the spirit of fear, or timidity, but power, love, and a sound mind. Is it a child that you are believing God? Psalm 1, 2, 7, 3 to 4 tells us that behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. Are you being tempted to rush in all that you do? Ask God for patience. Ecclesiastes 7, 8 tells us that the end of a thing is better than its beginning. And the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Is it breakthrough that you are believing God for? Understand that he makes all things beautiful in his own time. Is it direction that you are believing from God? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and the Lord himself shall direct 
your part. Those who over the years have put their faith in the living word of God have not only lived to stand for their lives to become living testimonies, but they are those who have become the shining examples of our generation. From Abraham down through to the apostle John on the island of Patmos, all these saints of God understood that life consists of three basic things. Understand that life, number one, is a test. And regardless of who you are, the Lord will test you. And the testings of God only come to mature you. The, the, the real taste of tea comes out as it goes through the hot water, as hot water is poured on it. The quality of gold comes out as it goes through the refinery of the hot furnace. So life is a test. God will test your faith. He will test your patience. He will test your hope. He will test your aspirations. Are you able to trust God? So life is a test. But secondly, also understand that life is a stewardship. And everything that has been given to you, there's nothing that you have that was not given to you. Are you hearing me? There is nothing that we have in us from our gifts to our singing abilities to our teaching abilities to our gifts as leaders are all given to us by God. And a day is coming when each one of us will stand before the judgment seat of God and give accounts of our stewardship. That is why David says whoever rules must rule in the fear of God. But finally, life it's a temporal assignment. Compared to eternity, our life on this earth is very short. The Bible says that God has given us 70 years and by, by strength and also by his grace of technology, 80. And I pray that everyone hearing my voice will live to be 90 to 100 years in the name of Jesus. But one thing we don't do as Christians is that we don't number our days. I am 64 years old. And if I should live to be 90 years, hallelujah. And, and, and you see, my ambition in life is very simple. I have no desire in life to be rich. I have no desire in life to be popular. I have no desire in life to be famous. My only desire as a servant of the living God is to fulfill my call. And to become a living, shining example for multitudes. That they will understand that the essence of life is to put your faith in the living God. And that when God sets you, no man can put you down in the name of Jesus. And that when God opens a door, no man is able to shut it in the name of Jesus. And that God holds your life. And once your trust is in him, no man can kill you. Shall we bow down our heads? Precious Father, we honor you for your word this morning. We pray that you will teach us to continuously put our faith in your word. We honor you for bringing our friends safely to us from Ghana. Father, we pray that their stay here in the United Kingdom continuously will be a blessing. And the purpose for which you sent them will be accomplished. 
May the angel of the Lord protect their going out and their coming in. This morning, Father, I pray that each one of us will make a fresh commitment to put our faith in the word, in the mighty name of Jesus. And God's people shall say, You've just heard God's word brought to you by Trinity Baptist Church, London. We pray that this word will impact your life in a tremendous way. You are welcome to share your testimonies, prayer and counseling needs with us. Do visit us or write to us at Trinity Baptist Church, 2 Thornlaw Road, West Norwood, London, SE 27 OSA or call 0208 766 7732. Thank you and remain blessed.